Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. I hear a lot of people talking about how horrible things are now. We're living in a world of complete chaos. Things have gotten so bad. From politics to rising inflation, stock market volatility, the war in Ukraine, and other geopolitical risks. And though many see chaos, I see opportunity. And I bet our guest today does too. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. All right, let's bring on Andrew Bush former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com. That's andrewbush.com. Andy, always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here, uh, Mr. Gersher. It's been a little while, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's been a while, and I'm glad we brought you on today because one of the big news stories and you're a futurist as well. I mean, that's that's part of Correct, uh, yeah. Economic futurist is. is my name. That's what I'm telling people I am. This story today, the, the doomsday clock. Uh, you know, they've been ticking the doomsday clock for well over 75 years. Apparently, it's closer to midnight, and that's the you know total destruction. It's closer to midnight than it's ever been. 90 seconds to midnight. Now, I got to tell you. They've been talking about this since I was a little kid. I think this was created right. during, you know, the the Soviet US, you know, Cold War kind of gauging. Probably started in the 50s. Yeah, I can't remember in the, when in the that 50s. Thing. Full disclosure, I think this is a bit alarmist and we're in a society that just feeds off that chaos. You're incentivized to actually be chaotic. You know, it gets you more yeah. more traction on social media. And so, yes, we're in a chaotic world, but the world has always been chaotic. Just look back at, you know, the Black Plague. Look back at World War II. So what we're experiencing now has been here. Welcome to humanity. And a lot of people say, hey, things are moving so fast. And I'm like, well, yeah, things have always been moving fast as well, especially in the last couple hundred years. I mean, shoot, we saw the Wright brothers fly the first plane in, in North Carolina in 1903. And by July of 1969, we had a man on the moon. What is that, 65, 66 years? So the things that we're talking about today and the seeming chaos is nothing new. Looking at it, at it through that lens, 
and then moving on and saying, well, how can we capitalize on this? And that's why I brought you on today is and well, it, it's perfect timing. So your, your take on my initial comment there, and we'll get into what you're going to see as far as the future. Well, it's great that you bring this up because it really highlights what's going on in the world today to some extent. So let me break this down. So in the 2000s up to 2020, we, we had four major things that really gave us a lot of economic momentum low interest rates, low inflation, ample labor supply, and stable geopolitics. All four of those are gone now, obviously, but geopolitics uh, is really gotten uh, difficult right now. Let's just put it that way. With the war in the Ukraine, with China and Taiwan, with Iran and Israel, uh, and of course, with obviously the doomsday clock. But I think it's... Um, for an opportunity uh, for this, it really has to get into the defense spending that's going on in, in the world. We just, my company at AndrewBush.com, we just put out a really big piece kind of highlighting all the countries that are increasing their spending on defense. Uh, defense sector stocks have held up much better over the last six months than the rest of the market. Um, but this is the world that we live in. Yes, it's more dangerous to be sure, but there are always uh, growth opportunities within that. So I don't want to sound, you know, like too opportunistic on this. You know, let me. But, but that's like a, a, it's all about opportunities. It's it's OK right. to be opportunistic yeah. because, you know, the world's been in chaos. Uh, we can go throughout the alms of time. Um, but with change, there's opportunity. And that's your specialty. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're not looking at, you know, being opportunistic here. We're just being realistic and taking yeah. advantage of what is ever delivered to us. So let, let's set the table with with the things that you're seeing coming down the line as a futurist. Right. So, I mean, the thing is, you know, so the defense spending, that's a specific sector that we like. Obviously, that's something that we wrote about um, and are keenly interested in. We'll be producing some more research on changing demographics across the world. Um, obviously, China is a keen focus here, but also Japan and the United States. That growth, right, overall is interesting because it's very simple. It's the number of people that are working. So your your labor force, your your you know your 25 to 64 year olds. How many of them are in the workforce? multiply that times productivity, that basically gives you GDP, right? And so if the number of people in the workforce are shrinking, it's really hard to get growth unless your, your productivity is going up significantly. In the United States, our productivity is running about where it was prior to the outbreak of the virus. It's about one and a half percent. Overall, we've lost workers in that cohort between 25 and 64. We had we have a loss of about 4 million workers. We know about 2.5 million of them uh, retired more than we thought. We know that there was about a half a million of the 1.1 million people that died, sadly, were in that cohort. And then we had another you know, half a million to a million drop out of certain areas. So overall, that's the picture. And we'll, talk, you know, we'll create some research down the road for it. But that's something that's really important to take a look at. The other things that I, you know, are really interesting to me Everybody's a buzz with chat GPT. Um, that's something that I think is going to have major implications. You know, five years ago when, you know, I got aware of it and started thinking about it a lot and people were predicting major changes to 
uh, workflow to uh, employment patterns, everybody is like, nah, that's really not going to have that big of a deal. Well, it's upon us right now. Uh, Microsoft's $10 billion investment in chat GPT is a good example of that. But Andy, real quick, explain that AI tool for a lot, a lot. There's still a lot of folks who aren't familiar with what you're talking about. We talked about it on the noon business hour today. This is a game changer for those who are not familiar. Real quick, just, you know, give them a little explanation. Right. So chat GPT is an AI, right? And GPT stands for general purpose technology. So we think about GPT, think about like electricity. That's, that was a game changer when it came about. That was a general purpose technology. So that's what people are saying this is. Basically, th- this is a model that is ginormous. It has like 175 billion variables in it, I believe. It may be, it must, it may be much more than that. Has basically read the entire internet. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and so as opposed to Google, which, you know, if you search in Google, it will produce a lot of URLs that will give you, you know, places to, to look for. If you go and chat GPT, which I advise everybody to check out at some point, um, you can type in, say, you know, what's the what's the history of defense spending in 20, you know, over the last five years, it will produce a five paragraph essay for you kind of covering that. So that's the thing about it. I mean, here's here's another example. I'll, I'll give you another example. Just type in things I should do in Chicago this weekend. It'll curate a list. It, I mean, it can write songs. It can uh, produce stories. Well, Go ahead. It's unbelievable, this yeah. technology, game changer in so many fields. Right, exactly. And so just let me use an example of Pandora, right? So Pandora, Spotify, all these music streaming services pay artists for their music on the site. Well, if you're like me and, you know, I'm, I'm working from home, I like to have some music on all day, but a lot of times I don't want to have something disturbing, so I'll put on something like Chill. Now, Chill doesn't have any music, I mean, doesn't have any lyrics. So to me, what I'm saying is like Pandora, Spotify, they can hire this service to create music that's like Chill, like that Chill playlist. And all of a sudden, you start building playlists, you start building music, pretty soon it will be able to play I don't know. I don't think it'll ever rise to the level of, you know, say, um, the Rolling Stones. But, like, let's, you know, think that that could happen. And that could. So that's it could. A, a technology that's really interesting. And just as a short example, it can impact the music industry. Clearly, it's already impacting the legal industry um, on search and a lot of other things. Um, art. And I think people will work with it. Art, for sure. Crayon AI is another one. It's C-R-A-I-Y-O-N um, is another uh, one of these type of GPTs that's out there. Uh, you know, it takes a while to kind of get used to it. But anyway, so some of the technologies that are really interesting, I like. Um, another place that I think is r- super exciting, of course, is the bioeconomy. Uh, obviously, with mRNA vaccines, we've had a lot of great things happen there. But there's a lot more going on in that space, especially in agriculture. So those are just three off the top of my head that I really like defense, um, AI, and obviously uh, the bioeconomy. You know, on top of it, and we've talked about this before, you know, this is part of the AI part, autonomous driving. We're going to see a move to to electric vehicles. We've talked about some of that in the past. A lot of it really exciting things going on right now in AI, you know, just besides just painting pictures and writing stories and producing music, you know, that AI that we're talking about, 
uh, in not too far down the line, we'll be making critical decisions as well as we, you know, as we move towards autonomous and some of those things. So there's a lot of really, really exciting things in place. And I like how you, you've made a, a, a key distinction at the top. You know, this is as we're seeing some major economic changes. You mentioned low inflation is ending. Uh, you, you've mentioned that cheap money has gone away. Labor is not so plentiful. Uh, what was that fourth one? Geopolitics. Oh, yeah, geopolitics, which we've seen a, a lot of chaos as of late. We've seen the market pull back a lot from uh, a year ago, especially in the tech space, which mm-hmm. is going to set up an opportunity for investors. What areas do you feel really producing the the best opportunity, especially now? Um, I'll just give you one that I love. I've just recently got my hands on some uh, virtual reality, Oculus equipment. I'm so bullish on the metaverse. Meta, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. Facebook, love the stock, dollar cost averaging, even in the meta right now, even if it goes lower, you know, so be it. I'll be able to get more then. And the other thing, I'm a big, huge fan. Like six weeks ago, we did the, we made the case for million dollar Bitcoin uh, it was around sixteen thousand. We're at twenty three thousand today. Okay. So if you if you backed up the truck like I did, you're already reaping the rewards. I uh, have been saying dollar cost into Bitcoin and Ethereum. Love crypto, especially the granddaddies of crypto. Love even more so blockchain technology, and that touches a lot of different areas. You're going to talk about. So my my place have been you know right now as of late. Dollar cost averaging into Meta and both Bitcoin and Ethereum at these lower levels. You're a futurist. You see a lot of different areas of growth. Where are you keying in on? What are you telling your clients is the most exciting spaces to be? Give us a couple examples. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a super fan of of the um, crypto world because it's got a lot of problems with it. Um, if you're If you're comfortable with that risk, great. Um, I will say this. There's two things going for it. Number one, Bitcoin itself uh, has never been hacked. Like wallets have been stolen, things like that. But the concept and the theory um, underneath it, it works. Uh, Now, I I don't know how manipulated it is. Um, You know, if you're super bullish, you know, go for it. Um, Just don't dedicate a lot of your portfolio to it. Just a small amount, I think, would be good for most investors. Um, I would say there's, there's, as I mentioned before, I, I like a lot of things that are happening um, overall in the bioeconomy. Um, one of the things that I think is fascinating uh, to me is uh, the, de- the development of bioplastics. Uh, I know that sounds kind of weird, but basically it's creating plastic-like products from um, agricultural products that can biodegrade. Uh, this addresses one of the major problems that's in this world, which is um, plastic uh, garbage and, and, and single-use plastic specifically when it comes to food. So that space is fascinating to me. I think there's just a lot going on in there. Obviously, that's really interesting. Uh, you mentioned autonomous cars. I don't think that's coming real soon. It may be here in about five to seven years but obviously, the development of EVs and um, the need for uh, electrification and to enhance that throughout the country is really important. One of the things I'd point out is in the Inflation Reduction Act uh, that was passed 
uh, last year, there was $369 billion worth of subsidies to companies in the United States to address greenhouse gas emissions. There were all sorts of subsidies in there for the development of electronic or EV batteries. So even though that space, I know people have talked about it a lot, we're just at the forefront of that happening as far as companies spending and really developing that technology here in the United States. So, I mean, there's a wide range of ways of playing that. You could play the people that are supplying um, uh, the grid for, you know, the, the actual cables that need to get put in there. Um, you can look at energy companies that are trying to create the electricity that's going to be needed as we transition from um, ice engines, you know, internal combustion engines to EV engines. Uh, so there's a lot going on in that space. So that's one of the biggest ones uh, that I think uh, really doesn't I mean, it, it gets a lot of play, but more and more, you have to understand the amount of monetary momentum behind that is really strong. And then finally, I mean, I mean, I hate to say this, but there, there will be a lot more um, when it comes to robots. Um, there's a lot of work that's going on in that. I'm talking about industrial, but also um, we'll see products that are going to be coming out for uh, consumers that will be along these lines to aid them. Uh, Japan is taking a really big step in that direction with a lot of home health um, people, you know, robots that will be able to pick up human beings. That will be very important. And if you think about it in the um, in, in, in connecting this to an economic problem that we have right now, which is labor shortage, um, you're seeing this maybe not necessarily burger flippers, but you're seeing ways of getting around the lack of workers in um, restaurants, uh, especially uh, fast food restaurants to eliminate workers, you know, that they can't get and then, you know, utilize uh, machines and technology to create the products that they need. So those are the areas that I like overall, uh, looking three to five years down the road. Robots uh, and, and drones uh, going to be game changers. And as you mentioned, just this week, we talked about this on the noon business hour, Chippy, which is Chipotle's robot or tortilla-making yeah. robot. And then uh, Flippy, which I believe was White Castle, has a burger flipping. Or, or actually, it's going to be running the fry station, if I'm not mistaken. But we're already yeah, seeing that implemented. Easily right now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one's easy. The burgers are a little more challenging. I remember, you know, two, three years ago, we had this concern that, oh, my gosh, it's going to take over all those jobs. Well, it didn't really happen yet. Well, it, it, it's, it's much trickier to... To, to do a burger than you realize, right? You, people take it for granted that, that, you know, you can create something, you can create a robot that can flip a burger, sure, but can it tell when it's done? Can it tell if it's got a problem? Can it do it consistently? You, you know, these are things that human beings do just without even thinking. You can just visually see what's going on there. So um, a lot more has to get done on that front. But as I said, because of the lack of workers, and that's not only in, uh, obviously, in fast food companies, but also in agriculture. There's not enough workers there. Um, you're seeing uh, robots being developed for, uh, you know, tree fruit picking, um, for, uh, you know, aut autonomous vehicles are already in the fields already. Um, so that's, you know, happened, and more of that will come down the road. So uh, there's just a lot going on in that space to, again, deal with a problem that can't be solved right now, which is the lack of labor. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold. 
and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gaines episode drops. We drop Gaines episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with Andrew Bush right after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Back with Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at Andrew Bush, and that's B-U-S-C-H, Andrew Bush. Dot com. All right. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of set the table here as far as the technology and, and where we're going and some of the big. Hey, can we talk about we can talk about one more thing, too? And that is uh, I, I know this is kind of crashed and burned a little bit. The, the, the fake meat stuff, uh, impossible meats and things like that, that took off for a while. It got a lot of VC funding, um, but it's kind of dried up recently. The one thing I want to point out to people is that that's that's you know obviously protein-based uh, meat. It, it, we can use those in the same planet or, or plant protein meat. There is another uh, development that's coming out, which is lab-grown meat, and that's actually going to start hitting some really high-end restaurants shortly. Um, and Andy, I know you are a big paleo guy. What what do you think? Are you going to eat lab grown meat? I, I probably won't. I, I'm very happy with uh, now being paleo. As you know, you're sourcing quality meat. So um, a lot of this fake meat, it, first of all, like the plant based stuff, the stuff that you get at you know the Impossible Burgers and and that kind of stuff. You might as well eat Twinkies. There's nothing overly healthy about it. I mean, well, a lot of the I mean, the stuff yeah, that they put in there. Yeah, there's some stuff in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of preservatives. There's a lot of things put in there to uh, give it its consistency. So, I, I mean, I, I'm paleo. I don't even really eat a lot of stuff out of the can. So that probably none yeah. of that stuff really appeals to me. I'm straight up vegetables, meat, fruit, nuts, source yeah. it at the, at you know, without a lot of processing. They're even, right. They're even making... 
plant-based uh, eggs, right, as an example. And the reason why I bring this up, right, because it sounds kind of like, you know, way out there and maybe grosses people out, something grown in, in a uh, lab. Uh, but here's the thing, right? The key to all of this is the cost of it. If they get those plant-based burgers, plant-based eggs, uh, lab-grown meat below the price of meat, then it's a game changer in the sense that if inflation is robbing people's you know, paychecks uh, for the grocery store, this really becomes an alternative that's viable. And you uh, almost wonder, though, if, if it's, a, it's an alternative that people are being pushed to by things that are being implemented right now, though. It's, it's interesting. But yes. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know about that, but I, w- I will say, but that's the key. When you look at all this stuff, like, it, and we stare out into the future about it, well, you know, like, TVs no, are No, great, no, just to push back on would, the— Would they be— I was just going to say real quick, the pushback on the stuff that we're being pushed this that way— you make regulations to make meat more expensive, just like you energy becomes more expensive when you stop producing it here. I mean, there are things that are being put into right. place that are trying to push folks towards this in a way, too. I mean, there is policy and, and there are growing shifts towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, EV engines, right? Electric vehicles. Well, would have Tesla survived without the seventy five hundred dollar, you know, subsidy? I, I doubt it. Um, but you know what I mean? And, and to your point, right, that's a great point to make. I, I guess I'm just saying like this stuff, you know, seems weird. But, you know, if, if it if it becomes cheaper eventually, then people start to look at it. And I will also say there's a lot of questions right now about scalability. If, if you can scale this, then, then you'll be able to compete aggressively at some point with cattle producers because they have to compete with getting grain feed, hay, uh, land, water, all of those things are becoming much more volatile and the costs become much more volatile. Obviously, with the lab-grown stuff, that's not the case. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out before no. we kind of moved on from this. I'm sure you want to maybe talk about the markets. We could talk about Well, China. no, I was going to say, you, you know, back talk. back to this meat, the meat thing. This is certainly interesting, and and this is, is something that everything seems kind of weird when it's brand new. Uh, I just wanted to throw one last thing in because we had talked about this a while back. It might've been a technology Thursday segment that we had on the show, but Hey, if you really, you know, if you really want to take this a little farther, have you ever been curious on what Kanye West or Ellen DeGeneres tastes like? Well, there's a lab (laughs) that's actually going to produce uh, salami with their stem cells. So, I mean, the future is now. What is I want that, you to like cannibals are us. Like, what the heck? Isn't that isn't that crazy? I mean, so uh, I mean, this technology is doable, and it will be adopted at some point. Maybe not the example I just gave, but I had to throw that in there. That's just gross. <laughs> but but yeah, that is part of the technology. Um, no, no, but this is certainly an interesting thing. Being a paleo guy, I'm going to stick with uh, meat, vegetables. Nuts and fruit and, you know, and eggs and, and the real stuff. And hopefully it won't get too expensive. <laughs> though, though, even vegetables yeah. haven't been cheap as of lately. You look at inflation. And so that brings yeah. us back to the economy, you know, and you had opened up with right. this. I mean, labor is an issue. Inflation now is is taking off. I, I think some of that is the mismanagement of energy in a very, very big way. But there are other factors involved there as well. And then you also cited, you know, you talked about how the Fed, at least in my opinion, is doing the responsible thing so they can get ahead of uh, inflation. And, and, and really, the cheap money 
that uh, investors were tapping into, the cheap money, that had to go. That wasn't sustainable. So we're seeing, uh, you know, higher interest rates. So all these things. And then you mentioned the geopolitical. Out of all the things we've talked about, give me the one, two biggest things that you're focusing on out of all of this. So there's there's a couple of things that are going on in the economy overall. Uh, clearly, we're everybody's trying to figure out really just two things. One is, has inflation peaked? And two, how fast will it come down? Because those are the two things that are driving Federal Reserve actions, whether or not they'll continue to raise interest rates in 2023 and and whether or not they'll pivot. Right now, my belief is that this market is melting up a little bit because overall they're not long enough per se. But I also think it's a little bit crazy and way too soon to think that the Fed is going to pivot at any time soon. I, I believe we will get inflation down later this year but it'll stay well north of their 2% target. So I, I think the Fed's going to have to stay on a higher level of interest rates than most people think of right now. So with that backdrop, then we also have China, which is really important for the global economy and especially global commodities, which are really important to a lot of people in Illinois, but also throughout the Midwest and you know agriculture land too, but, I mean, all of the major, like iron, um, you know, copper, all of those things, China right now is in a recession. Um, and they're trying to figure out, like, how they're going to navigate getting out of COVID with a lot of people dying. They're in the throes of that. Eventually, they will come out of this. That's what we don't know. What will that be like? Will China really reopen aggressively, strongly with growth? Um, if that's the case, then you can bet on oil going up back up to 100 bucks. You can bet on commodities overall doing quite well. Um, that will also put some additional pressure on inflation and maybe extend the period of time that the Fed's going to remain on hold. So that's the thing. I, I don't expect a recession in the United States. Um, it, it may be a 40 percent chance right now. That's what we're trying to figure out to some extent as well when it comes to inflation and interest rates. But truly, the big unknown is what's going to happen when China reopens and what does that demand look like? Yeah, and, and it could come back in a really, really big way. And then, you know, another factor with China, you'd mentioned it earlier in our discussion, the geopolitical issues with Taiwan as well. Uh, you know, one thing with right. the China yeah. reopening, and I want to just gauge, you know, you and I were currency traders and I was in metals. I'm sure you may have been <laughs> in as, as, as well. Super sure. bullish on metals right now. I think they're doing a lot of catching up. We've seen copper move in a really big way. Uh, your thought on met, not just commodities, but metals as as China reopens, and do you think they get the full reopen? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing we don't know. And I, Let me qualify, that, or not qualify, let me add to the reopening. So the other component of the story that you're not hearing enough about is the support that's being put out for the... Um, uh, construction sector and the re and the and the buildings and things like that. Um, they've eliminated the three red lines uh, in China for they were trying to clamp down on construction. So they will begin to support that sector of the economy if they do and they start building again. Well, then, yes, I mean you're going to see a lot more demand for metals, uh, for copper, um, for iron, uh, for cement, things like that. So th that's the one of the things that I would just want people to keep in mind when we're looking at the reopening of China. It's not only just that, but it's also the support 
uh, for the real estate sector as well. So there's some good things that are happening. How far that goes, I don't know at this point, but that's one of the major themes that many of the investment banks are looking at overall uh, as we head into the second half of 2023. Are we going to see a retest as far as the market setup here, uh, retest those lows we put in um, back a couple months ago? Or, uh, you know, are, are we higher from here or can you make that call? It, it's really tough. I mean, there's certain areas that I like quite a bit. Um, I've already mentioned, of course, um, the defense sector. I meant, mentioned bioeconomy and so on. You know, picking highs and lows, it, that's for somebody else to do. Uh, that's for trading. If you're investing, it's a different game. You're looking at time frames. You're looking at um, taking advantage of certain things that happen uh, overall where, you, you, you know, the market sells off and you're like, okay, I like this sector overall. I want to buy this stuff. Now that it's come back up, I, I think it's trading in a range. If you look from last year, um, from about the summer on, we've been in a range uh, since that time. We were at, what, 3,500 is a low in the S&P, 4,100 approximately as a high. We're getting up towards the higher end of that. Um, so I, I would say until we break out of that range, um, you know, I would just play within that. If you're an investor and you're looking to put on risk, try to do it to the lower end of that 3,500. If you're looking to take off risk, maybe do it around 4,200, something like that. But overall for me, I, I, you know, I have portfolios that I continue to monitor, um, and try to gain exposure where I like it overall. I started getting into the defense sector uh, last year overall. Uh, I like that, obviously, after the invasion of the Ukraine. But overall, there, there was just a lot of things that going on that's changed in the world from a geopolitical standpoint. And that's why I liked it. So it's, it's just a question of, I wouldn't say, you know, picking a bottom, but just find levels that you're comfortable getting exposure to companies that you really think will do well not maybe this year, but maybe two, three you know, years down the road. Is your tactic dollar cost averaging into these positions when you find a company that you like, you believe in the long-term story, a lot of your stuff's going to be tech, and, 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 but, but you mentioned defense, but you, you, you believe and see the, the value of the long-term story involved with that particular stock. Are you dollar cost averaging in? How, how do you, you, you get into a position? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way of doing it. Once you've established uh, the company that you want to target or the sector that you want, then you say, okay, what part of my portfolio, you know, how much exposure do I want to these people? Um, and then you can do, you can do dollar cost averaging, but I also think you need to be proactive when you see an opportunity um, when you see stocks sell off, um, but it's hard to do. Um, you know, I've, I've been a professional trader. I've been a professional currency trader. I've made millions for the companies that I work for um, and for myself. And I will tell you, I, I struggle at times as well with this. You and I have talked about this, but one of the hardest things I, I was doing was during the sell-off in 2020 was buying stocks. I just felt like the world was falling apart, and it was just like I had to chew off both my arms not to sell my portfolio and to add to it. It was really hard to do, but that's where you make the big money when things look super ugly. There's all sorts of reasons to be dumping stuff. That's really when you need to start thinking, hmm, down the road, this is going to be worth a lot more than it is today, and I can take the losses. As long as I don't have to use the money, I can take the losses and then adjust. You know, my uh, takeaway from our conversation today is 
look beyond the chaos and seek out those opportunities and then invest yeah. in those opportunities. What's your takeaway from our conversation today, Andy? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's a great point, um, Gersh. And I and I wish people would do that more often. Try not to trade on emotion. Try not to invest on emotion. Do your homework. Um, if if you're investing and you're buying at levels that you're comfortable with, don't freak out when it goes against you. Um, if it starts to run. You know, don't get too worried about chasing it. Um, buy when you think it's a good buy uh, and stick to that game plan. That's what I would advise people. Develop a game plan and stick to it. Big thanks to Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com. Again, that's andrewbush.com. And hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A news radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.